So Evan, I'd like to start this episode out with a question. If you could invent a vitamin that had one special quality to it, what quality would you shoot for? So there was this one comic strip that I grew up reading, not in the funny pages or anything. We just had a collection of it, and it was called The Far Side. Sorry. Did you just describe, <laughs> just say that to me as if I'd never heard of The Far Side before? <laughs> oh, that was not, that's obviously not the name it, of the, of the comic. It was a comic book I read. Um, it's, it seemed, it's a book in which there are there is text, but it's captured within speech bubbles. I grew up on this comic strip. You probably haven't heard of it. Uh calvin and hobbs it's an ampersand oh how dare you no you don't say that oh goodness i um, introduced you to calvin and hobbs it was called um you did not introduce me to calvin and hobbs. <laughs> i thought you might just let that lie no we discovered it independently um i think it's called uh fledglings and it's about birds never heard of it no i i it, i don't know if it's canadian it might be actually but i i do think mm. that the strip is very funny um and I guess it's very of the time, like 90s. It was very like early 90s because uh, that's when it came out. And at that point in time, people were all about vitamins. They were like, um, oh, like, oh, I need my B vitamins. I need my like D3 vitamins. Vitamin, it was just like, that's what was in the news. That's like what people were talking about. Hmm. It was like a regular thing. Um, and so there are these strips from that collection that I have. I think it's called like the Fledgling's First Flight or something. Uh, and they're just like, popping there's a whole series on vitamins and he's all like this is like the latest vitamin on the market this is like x2 you know um so you're basically what i'm saying is that your question is bring up a lot of positive memories for me and that you have no answer to it that was all <laughs> that was a journey let me take you on a journey luke um okay to nothing hold on hold on what was the question specifically what vit- what would what would the side effects be or yeah what if you could invent a, a vitamin with one new quality to it than existing vitamins what quality would you bring to it well here's like the, would it cure something else would it i don't would think it give you wings that present day vitamins really like do oh really i mean like they help you don't think they do anything but uh-huh. it's not like you take a vitamin and it's like oh i see better now so you'd want it to actually work. Hey, you know what? I have a. I, if I could change one thing about vaccines, it would be something very similar. They would stop giving people autism. No, I'm fine with that. But they'd actually work. <laughs> you know, I can't do two things. It's like, oh, do I make them stop giving people autism or do I make them actually work? And hey, vaccines, just in this scenario, you can't make them a net positive. Oh, wow. You can just at least put a silver lining around that storm cloud. Whoa. Zing. Hot takes. Zing. Um, zing. People, vaccinate your kids. Um, the thing I would say is vitamins, you have to take them so often. I would love a vitamin that you only have to take <laughs> once, a once year. in your life. That's what I want, man. Can you, can oh, you just imagine? It's like, Here's the thing. If you take too much vitamin C, you urinate it out. Like, like it goes out, it comes out of your urine. Well, it does nothing, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So I can't imagine the size of the vitamin that you would need to take. <laughs> That will last your entire... Like, it's so much vitamin, it has no choice but to stay in your system. Like, there's residue in your body. The thing with one vitamin... And in this episode, there is a vitamin somebody tries to invent that you only have to take once in your life, as if that's the thing we need. It would be basically like a cinder block that you have to chip off a little... You can only eat a little bit of it at a time. It is one vitamin. Technically. It is one vitamin that will last you your whole life. But you could also get the same effect just by boiling other vitamins... 
I don't know if you should boil. I don't know anything. But clearly, I, do they. I just it's so I keep thinking Ooh. of it in the context of like One Punch Man. One vitamin is all I need. <laughs> uh, welcome, listeners. You, we've provided very little context, but you are actually listening to a Scooby Doo podcast. This podcast is actually about the Scooby Doo's, as you will come to see. Um, basically, it's two best friends here talking about their favorite meddling kids and their dumb dog. As we said, that's obviously Scooby Doo. Yes, uh, you're listening over there to Evan talking to you. And over there, uh, he's also talking. His name is Luke. Together we're Evan and Luke. We are the titular Scooby Dudes. And we've got a very special episode for you this week. Um, We're going back to basics. We're returning to Scooby-Doo Where Are You, which is always uh, a delight. I think I'm speaking for both of us. It's a delight for us to return to it. It brings back a lot of warm memories. It really does, and for me, I, I don't think I'd ever seen all of the original series. Like, this one might have been a fresh one for me. So it's, it, it's actually thrilling to visit it the first time and see what they had from the start, what they had to invent as they went. Whatever the case, if you'd like to watch it with us or watch it before us, it's Season 2, Episode 1 of Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? The episode is titled uh, Nowhere to Hide. Uh, that's H-Y-D-E. H-Y-D-E, like Dr. Jekyll's alter ego. On their way home from the malt shop, the gang encounter the ghost of Mr. Hyde, a known jewel thief sneaking into a spooky house. The house turns out to be the home of Dr. Jekyll, who fears he may be transforming into the ghost of Mr. Hyde. The gang begins searching the house for clues, pegging the maid as a likely suspect, but are pursued at every turn by the ghost. No, 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 no. Hey, Evan, you and I right now are having a mental connection over one (laughs) word in that premise. And what I'd like us to do would be not to discuss it at all. I'd like us to, let's let the, let's let the intro, listeners, your guess is meant there's maybe 50 words in that, figure it out. A completely unrelated conversation. (laughs) I'm just sitting here and I'm just like, can I, can I? No, you may not. (laughs) Okay, all right. Two dudes talking about Scooby-Doo. Two dudes just like you. Unless you're a lady, mm, this show is for ladies too. If you're LGBTQ, we are your Scooby-Doos. So, what's the first thing you'd like us to talk about, Evan? Uh, this, I just, I'm not going to dwell on it. I do want to point out, um, and this is, I think, especially... Um, important in contrast with last week's episode. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. If you remember what we did. What did I we don't. Do? What did we do? What did we do last week? I drew Wait, it. No, you're asking me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, w- it was the 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo. Mm. And what I wanted to bring up when we did that recap, and that I don't think we ever did, was that the art in a lot of places was pretty bad. Like, the animation quality was pretty bad. And you're going to contrast that to say that in 13 Ghosts, it's weird it got worse because here it's not bad. And in fact, there's a lot of life in it. Yeah, the very first shot is is uh, a city, I guess just a random American city, and it's beautiful. It is. I almost set it as my desktop wallpaper, and uh, I completely mm-hmm. agree. I really like that intro. A lot of the animation, I have to say, is, is pretty snappy and feels kind of weighty. Some of it is also extremely rough. But in this early series, I kind of love that about it. Um, the, one, the one thing I want to say before we get into it is that in the intro theme song, um, there's that line, And Scooby-Doo, if you come through, you're gonna have, have yourself, yourself a Scooby snack. snack. What comes next? Don't look back. Uh, actually, I think it's That's a Fact. Which we're using, have, have Scooby, Scooby snack. snack. 
That's a fact. That's a fact. They don't say it in this theme song. Or or don't look back. They don't have either We're, of those follow-ups in this early what? version. They don't. I listened to it multiple times, and I was like, oh, no, that's a oh, fact. Scooby-Doo, if you come true, you're going to have, have yourself a Scooby snack. Scooby-Dooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo. Exactly. They go right back into it. And it makes me think people wrote in and were like, hey, is that for real? Is this... <laughs> And then uh, they put it in the theme song. I just thought it was interesting. The theme song evolved in some ways very slowly from one series to another. Um, but then we're into the episode. As you say, we're in Manhattan, is it? Uh, I, I don't know. Um, it, to me, it's just, a, it's just a random city. For some reason, I thought Chicago. Oh, I could see that. Um, but what happens is we zoom into one of the buildings, and we can see that um, it is, it's one of the high-rises. And it looks like there is a little bit of a... It's like a gallery almost, and and there's a sign that says it's the Movart collection of rare jewels. Movart, kind of like Mozart, I guess. Kind of like a high-rise jewelry shop. Yeah, it's weird. It doesn't quite look like it's laid out like a museum, and it doesn't quite look like it's laid out like a store where someone might look at the pieces as if to buy them. Yeah, I mean, I don't typically get in an elevator to look at rare jewels in a museum or to purchase them. I don't know. And here's the thing. Neither neither does the character who then appears. Mm-hmm. Because what they do is they slide open a window and they climb through. Also, yeah, like, it's like 50 stories up in a, in a high rise in a city and they just slide the window. It's freshly greased and unlocked. Can we describe said uh, intruder? Um, I'd say dressed um, like a vagabond of the time, like very kind of frumpy, ill-fitting Like, like a vagrant, clothes. I think you Like mean. a vagrant, yeah. Yeah, a vagabond, I think, is more like a, a highwayman? Uh, I, think a, I think a vagabond... No, a person who wanders from place to place without a home or a job. Ah, so vagabond and vagrant are... Okay. Yeah. He looks like a homeless man. He, he does kind of, and he's got what was almost like a fisherman's cap... Kind of I've thing. also been in my mind described like thinking of it as a fisherman's, fisherman's cap, but cap. without all the lures around it. Like he's he's fished all he can for today. He also doesn't have he's it's not one of those Australian hats. He doesn't have the little corks no. uh, <laughs> hanging down from the brim it's, to keep the flies away. It's also not a wedding fisherman's hat. He doesn't have the veil that hangs over it to keep, <laughs> to keep bugs and his groom's eyes out. Um, but he also has a uh, green like an olive green skin tone. So basically, uh, this this figure um, swoops in, grabs uh, what I called an amulet, but what they call a necklace, and then he climbs down the side of the building. Yes, and we see him climbing down in a distance as we see this cop up front or a security guard on the ground floor. The security guard sees him and blows a whistle, and it's almost like there's an escape at Alcatraz or something like that. It's not that he just whistles at every criminal, though maybe he does. He actually recognizes that this figure, and he refers to it as the Ghost of Hyde. Yes, the Ghost of Hyde. And uh, it, there's kind of like some tension. The music really rises. I love the music in this series. As he runs away, and we cut from there, we pan from there to the malt shop. The malt shop has terrible design. It's just mm. the words in like a all caps sans serif font, malt shop, and it's like <laughs> blinking on and off. Yeah, and the, the, the camera pan there, this is such a nitpick, but the camera, we see the malt shop in its entirety and the mystery machine in front of it, and the camera pans towards just the word shop. <laughs> like, as if we wanted to really get it on just the P, and then it cuts to the, va- the vagabond ghost of Mr. Hyde, 
who jumps in the back of the mystery machine. Uh, laughing. I, we neglected to mention this. He laughs. Oh, goodness, he laughs with, so much. When he goes into the drool area, <laughs> he laughs when he escapes the cop, and he laughs when he enters the mystery machine. And real question, Evan, do you think this is in character or out of character? Because he does it for no onlooker's benefit. It's true. By the end of the episode, do you think this is him just gleefully thrilled to get away I with it? I it's think it's a lot like the creeper from Jeepers, it's the creeper. He's They're, a character he's actor. A method actor yeah yeah uh what is it stanislavski's uh he he's from the stanislavski school of acting i have to say i've never read the original dr jekyll and mr hyde i don't think mr hyde's thing was that he could not stop laughing i think what mr hyde does is a woman gets in his way so he like pushes her down and like stomps on her he beats people and like he'll just like beat someone up with his cane and then go on with his day. Yeah, he's just a yeah. like a violent boor. Oh, you're right. Man. He was gleeful about it. I did read this book. It's been a long time. You know what? I read this book. Such a weird connection. At virtually the same time, I was writing my original Scooby Doo fanfic. That is, which might make an appearance weird. at some point. B- bizarre. Yeah. Um. So we go inside, uh, and and one thing that. We're not going to go deep into what the gang is doing. They're getting malts or ice creams or whatever. Um, but this was a point in time in which Shaggy had to translate for Scooby. Ah, that's right. You know, I hadn't been picking up on that so much. Scooby is definitely not as defined as he will become. So Scooby says something along the lines like, Uh, Raggy, want to hear a magic trick? Uh, Scooby wants to see a magic trick. And, and so, yeah, he's, he's repeating exactly what's said for the benefit of the audience. It's kind of interesting how dichotomous that is about Scooby because I thought one thing that was very distinct in this episode is how human Scooby's physicality is. Hmm. Scooby spends as much of his time on his hind legs as he does on all four paws in this episode. And when he rears up, he's got very human shoulders and gestures. Um, At the very end of this episode, I'll say it now, when they catch the ghost, he and Shaggy shake hands over the ghost's like bound body. That is very weird, and I will definitely take a screenshot of that. That it, it, I mean, it's just, there's a lot of little moments, I won't pick them out throughout the episode, in which Scooby seems to act more human than he acts physically, but to your point, he's more of a dog in some of his speech, and, and certainly in some of his behavior. We have a food gag here, kind of what you're saying, the magic trick, Scooby steals Shaggy's malts. Um, they really rejoice in the food in these early episodes. And, and the one thing I want to point out about that is that um, Scooby... Uh, has the scoops of ice cream. There are four of them land on his tongue mm. by catapulting them. And he's he's pulling it out, and they land in a line. And then um, he sort of, like a cash register, um, kachings his tongue back into his mouth. Oh, it's very dynamic. And it really, again, they're like really rejoicing in the food. And it's even more dynamic than that. They land each stacked on top of each other like a snowman. He then like flips them so they fall in a line and then cha-chings them back like a register. And I, I wrote in my notes, I just, I love that. I love that method of him, like, consuming this ice cream. It's great. And it's very specifically, explicitly Scooby-Doo. It is. And th- that part of him is, like, fully formed. And it, that part's almost forgotten in some Scooby-Doo series, like 13 Ghosts, we might say. Um, I, I do think that that is lovingly homaged in um, the James Gunn movie, the 2002 or 2001 movie. There's a lot of Scooby-Doo putting food on his tongue and sort of, like, Mm. Uh, bringing it back into his mouth. Scooby that and Shaggy both have a lot of that. And, like, with weird food, too, note, Shaggy's malt had a pickle on it. That's how it, he loves but it. But it didn't look like a, cu- a pickled cucumber. It looked like a pickled pepper. Oh, to me, it looked like a, yeah, jalapeno. But I pickles looked different back then. It was a different time, Evan. 
you gotta understand this this show was made in a different time um we go from the malt shop, which we didn't need to open. Wait, no, do we have a, a newspaper scene in there where they're like, oh, look at this news about this the jewel thief that's going around? I don't know if we even opened up on that. I, I No, they they don't. I don't believe so. This is not This is not like um, a Night of Fright's note to That's uh, not an uncommon opening for them. Uh, but they go back out to the mystery machine, and the most crazy thing to me is that we've seen, the at this point, the villain in action. We've seen him commit a crime that only a human would commit, and run in the back of the mystery machine to hide or something? There's a, This is the biggest plot hole to this episode. Is that... Um, so they're in the front, and, mm. and they're talking about how, like, oh, there's this, like, late-night horror movie where, like, the teenage blob, he hides in the back of cars, and, he's, and he, like, scares or attacks mm. people. And the entire time, the ghost of Mr. Hyde is in the back. And then Scooby um, pulls a blanket up, because, according to Fred, the heater isn't working in the mystery machine. Ah, and so they go to get the blanket, which Hyde is hiding underneath. Scooby sees him. And then to your point, this is really where we see Scooby cannot communicate with the rest of the gang. Sometimes even through Shaggy, he has to mime the monster to the gang and the gang doesn't get it. Which I really like. I, I really like that too. I can't remember if that's made our list of um, Scooby tropes, but it should, where Scooby pretends to be the monster. I am all oh, about absolutely. It. Where Scooby mimes the monster, except generally the gang gets it. Here it's so novel, the gang, the joke is that the gang doesn't understand Scooby. And but and here's the thing about this scene: it's actually very frightening to have someone in your vehicle who you did not think was going to be in your vehicle. Well, it's such a threatening thing. Generally, the ghost or the ghoul or obviously the villain is out for number one. They're out to help themselves, not to hurt anyone else. I mean, maybe it's a revenge thing, but generally they'll still try and do that by fiscally ruining someone or financially ruining someone. Here, we don't know why he's gotten in the back of the mystery machine. He could be a murderer. Like, it's it's a very tense moment, if you think about it. Um, there's there's one scene in The Office where... Actually, I think there are a few scenes in The Office where this happens, where, like, someone's in the backseat and the person in the front didn't realize it. Um, and really? one of them is when uh, Gabe is showing his horror movie at Halloween. And it's just like really gross stuff, right? It's like a, it's like a cake that like rots or whatever, and everyone's like really disturbed. And it's a, an elderly Latina woman just eating food with her mouth open and like staring at the camera. And Oscar's like, "How did you have footage of my grandmother?" <laughs> I'm amazed you remember that. I would have been tempted to say it never happens in the office. W- once I start watching uh, clips from the office, it's almost impossible to stop because whoever curates that YouTube page does such an amazing job clipping. Uh, from episodes and then titling them in a way that is uh tantalizing Mm, tempting have to go back for that um but all that to say it's a scary moment with the villain in the back seat or in the back of the mystery machine the gang doesn't know about him the gang does realize it when the ghost of i jumps up himself and scares them and they all i do what i think is logical which is they all leave the vehicle i it's scary to be inside right to be inside of an enclosed space that you thought i think was safe when scooby turned his back to to hide to act out to the rest of the gang i felt like tingles on my back anticipating stabs <laughs> anticipating like knife drive drive stab 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 because that's what's like who knows who this person is behind me like that's the whole horror movie thing so the, uh, the ghost um runs off with with again I, I call it an amulet um and they say he's running off into the marshes uh they Velma's one who recognizes this as the ghost of Mr. Hyde. So this is sort of the newspaper moment. Um, he is described mm. as a creepy jewel thief who's been scaring everyone in town. Um, they track 
old creepy hide to an old dilapidated mansion. They decide to go to the back door. Um, and, and they're all on the, the stoop? back door. Yeah, the stoop. Porch? They're all on the stoop. Porch, maybe. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Uh, and then it's a very Pooch. large trap door because they all fall through it. And here's the thing. They land on a mattress, but there are, like, rusty springs. This is the thing. This is another moment that, like, they, they all land on this old beat-up mattress, and Velma's like, Ow! And I think it's supposed to be just like, oh, I fell. But when Scooby pulls his face out of the mattress and has, like, a jagged spring wrapped around his snout, doesn't not stabbing him, but just to remind you how easily his eye could have been poked out, then he pulls it off. It's The fact that there are springs hazardous. just poking out of this mattress is like, look, if you had fallen the wrong way, you would have seriously hurt yourself. It's super scary. I can't blame uh, Shaggy for being so scared that he bit Scooby's fingernails before going in on into this mansion. And honestly, I think it's really gross. I think that dirty mattresses are a staple of horror movies that I- immediately introduce like a creepy factor. Yeah, I mean, it's super gross. The gang all now have bed bugs, lockjaw, and tetanus. Lockjaw and tetanus are the same thing. Same thing? Yeah, they have them both. <laughs> <laughs> Nuts, uh, I'm, sir. I'm afraid you have AIDS, and also the, the autoimmune she, deficiency <laughs> virus. Uh, virus? No, Syn- syndrome. Yeah. Uh, you you have a fracture and also a a mild break. <laughs> um, I'm I'm breaking up with you, and I think we should see other people. You know what? I actually think that there's a world where you can break up with someone and not want them to see other people. You know, I was at, I was like, that's. That's a really, um, yeah. I think I should see other people. Is that the way, the way you say fair. it? That's fair. I think that's fair. I think I should see other people. Because you're not speaking for them. You're only speaking for you yourself. You don't have to. Yeah, really saying we should see other people is like, hey, maybe I don't want to see other people. I, don't, I won't keep seeing you if you I, don't want I that. I think in most relationships, you, you, you say we should see other people, and you're speaking for the other person because they would, they would prefer to be with you. Mm. But, I mean, it's like... We, you don't have to be with someone else to not be with me. You just need to not be with me. I need to see other people. Yeah. Could also imply that, like, you're, you're still with me, though. Really, what does it matter if I want to see someone else? Why make it about you needing someone else? Just say you don't want me. I need to not see you anymore. Boom. Painless. Amicable. Well, this is Blake up with Luke and Evan. <laughs> Dude, truthfully, it would be Luke up with Dodie. <laughs> so it's just you. <laughs> Yeah, you should have me. a podcast called, called um, Luke Up with Dodie. Didn't you have an idea and it was like Luke Out World or something like that? <laughs> Luke Out World, here I come. I've had that, uh, Luke Who's Talking. Luke Who's Talking, that was the one. I would also like to introduce um, Luking My Guts Out. <laughs> That's so sad. Luking my guts out is so bad. I kind of love it. Yeah. Well, I think I think it's like puking my guts out like with honesty, you know, like you're... You're like, I, I think that that's, that's what I would like it to communicate. I don't think that's what it does. Luking my guts out. It's so hard to spell it. Is that L-U-K-I-N-G? It doesn't have my full first name within it. Yeah, it's tough. You know what else is tough is the fact that we've meandered so much this episode. So far lately. So they've fallen onto this dirty, nasty, disgusting spring, which is definitely going to give them diseases. Uh, and they find themselves in the basement of this mansion. Specifically, they find themselves in what I believe Velma describes as a mad scientist-type laboratory. And it is the maddest of scientists. Who should enter but Dr. Jekyll himself, carrying the amulet? They're all kind of hiding, 
But then they reveal themselves. Yeah. And here's the thing. They're like, oh, this is definitely the bad guy. I imagined that it would be that they're hiding and they can't quite see because they're trying to, like, obscure themselves. Mm. Um, And then they sort of see the shadow of him drinking from, like, a flask. And then he's like, oh. Yeah. Becoming human again. I would have loved to see that, especially because this episode has plenty of shadow play. Something along those lines. But no, he just sees them. Uh, and they're like, he's like, hey, yo, I'm Dr. Jekyll. I transform into this guy, Mr. Hyde. Also, I'm a descendant of the original Dr. Jekyll who became Mr. Hyde. So when I become Hyde, I become the ghost of Hyde. That is not inaccurate. I would even say that that is exactly what happens. They say, uh, would you believe we're looking for a ghost? And he's like, yeah, I would believe it. And then he says literally everything you said. Bizarrely, though, that his OG, like his great grandfather was the OG mm. Dr. Jekyll. Truthfully, that is how the angle that they choose to play it at. And there's so many things I don't understand. Like, how does the public know it's Hyde? And even if he looks identical to the original Hyde, how does the public know? I guess they they would assume it's the ghost of Hyde. They don't know the relation. I don't don't understand why he would need to be the ghost of Mr. Hyde. Why can't he just be the... Like, another Mr. Hyde. This is his own Hyde. Yeah, like, this is his own new Hyde. Here's the thing I don't get. I get why the public would think this is the ghost of Hyde. Because, say, there was once a, a Hyde that looked identical to this, and this is like the reincarnation of him. He knows he's the descendant of the original Dr. Jekyll. He should think, this is my own Hyde. Also, to, to, I guess to add to that point, and, or rather to add to a point that you mentioned in the intro. In the intro, how did he become Hyde? Because he was working on his own ultimate vitamin that you only have to take once in your life. <laughs> and dude, my favorite part of maybe this whole episode is the moment where he thinks he perfects the formula and chugs it hot out of the bubbling beaker. <laughs> and then he's saying that like all of a sudden the floor started to spin. And it's like, yeah, dude, dog. Yeah, man. The heat alone, like, probably put you into shock. This is like if in Breaking Bad, as Walt is pouring out the, like, the stuff that will later become crystals, Jesse just, like, slurps it out of a pan. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he, he's a th- he says that his housekeeper, Helga, who I guess is a, is a, a, a middle-aged, like, Nordic woman, mm. um, found him on the floor. He had mud on his shoes, presumably from the marsh. And he's saying that the same thing happened to him just now, uh, but he found this necklace in his pocket, and he shows them the necklace. So this is a dude who 100% believes he's the ghost of Mr. Hyde, but, and to me this is very interesting, right away Velma's like, okay, but the mud on your shoes is dry. Maybe it's already been dried, and he's also, he doesn't look anything like, he's not dressed like Mr. Hyde. Um, but yeah, Velma kind of discounts it immediately. Like, hey, we still need to investigate quite a bit more, even though the villain has outed himself, we might say, from the start. Um, so, I, I, because we're, we've done a very poor job of pacing this, I kind of want to... Sc- Let's get right to the ending. So <laughs> okay, no, 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 Scooby and Shaggy are in the attic, and I just want to skim over that. The one thing I don't want to skim over mm. is the fact that they're having shenanigans, and Shaggy utilizes his, uh, his catchphrase... Zoink! Oh my gosh, really? Well, that's the first time he said it, so there was only one zoink at that point. (laughs) And every subsequent time, it becomes plural. No, it's true. Later on in this episode, he says zoinks. But at that point, in the attic, he just says, it's just zoink, zoink, singular. No, that's crazy, because my note in this is that early on, Velma says jinky, and then later she adds another one on, and she's got jinkies. That's not true. I'm making that up, but that would be great. 
Um, there is a weird, um, just very, very quickly, an uncharacteristic moment where Scooby thinks that he sees the monster in a closet, and then Shaggy's response is weirdly, come on, we'll sneak up on him. Yeah. And then he opens the closet and he's like, ha, gotcha. Oh, it's just, a, it's just our reflection in a mirror. The, the other weird part is that right before Shaggy does that, he goes, pup, 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 puppy power! It's like maybe a little... Uh, they, they wanted to do something with that, but they put it into a later character. They're, for the most part, I think Shaggy and Scooby are across the board cowardly, but that is an odd, uncharacteristic moment. Oh, here's one last thing about the attic that I do think is worth mentioning. Um, Hyde makes the briefest of ex- of appearances, so they try to escape from him. Scooby opens a door. Do you want to tell us what happens next? Uh, he keeps opening doors, doesn't he? He it's a, it's like a kind of a matryoshka doll. It's like a ma- of doors. There's a scene where Daffy Duck does this, I think, um, where he just keeps opening doors, and it's like a gif you can watch where it keeps recycling in on itself. But this is more Alice in Wonderland, where each door is smaller than the next door until he gets to a tiny mouse door, which he opens up. And of course, there's a mouse in there that berates Scooby. Scooby has been berated by rodents in more episodes than the words meddling kids have been spoken. Very accurate. That should be what we remember this for. It's weird. Helga finds them, and she's like... How would you describe Helga? Uh, I described her as a middle-aged Nordic woman. I would say she's kind of like Zarya in Overwatch. She's a very strong, like... Um, large in the athletic Amazonian sense woman. For Mother Russia. For Mother Russia. Yes. Um, she also chides Scooby and Shaggy for um, getting the attic all messy right after she cleaned it. And we kind of glossed over the million spiderweb gags that we had here in which Scooby like plays a spiderweb like a harp. Oh, but in it- which... But it plays a lovely melody and frightens him. Like, be- yeah, I, I think he's haunted by how beautiful it is. I think it reminded him of a song his mother sung, perhaps, in the old country. I'm mixing a couple of that. I, thought I, wanted, I, wanted <laughs> I want to, to keep go doing for Russian it. accents, though. Me too, that's all it was. Moose and like, squirrel. So, the thing that happens next. We, I also, I feel like we're um, Quicksilver, it's getting kind of Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch in Age of Ultron. Yeah, except I think we're better, <laughs> and people like people want to see us in the thing we're appearing it's, in. Uh, it's true, it's true. Um, and they're not just disappointed not to see Evan Peters, Peter Evans in it. Who, by the way, is the best part of those X-Men movies. I didn't even see the second one, and I heard he was the best part of... Sorry, because the, there are two movies that he's in. So the other movie he's in I haven't seen, but I hear that there's also a very good uh, super speed scene. Um, the super speed scenes are really good, but just he in them, I think, is the best character. Even though I think the least love is put into his wardrobe. They're just like, oh, here's some stuff like that people left behind at conventions and a bad wig. Oh, it is bad. It's terrible. Um, Fred finds a clue. He's rooting. It's like him, Daphne, and Velma are all just like rooting around in this uh, um, living Study room, Study kind guess. of thing in a fireplace. Yeah. Uh, and and look, it's uh, it's a scrap of unburned newspaper clipping. Somebody tried to burn this. Helga the Great, it says. She's an ex-circus star who uh, Velma or Fred says, ah, she was like a, she had a human fly performance. And then Fred, just to help out the children who are watching this, says, uh, it's a daring acrobatic act done on tall buildings and other high places. Mm. I have a bone to pick with the name of this act. The human fly? Isn't that a real thing? It is, it is a real thing. There's, historically, there have been human fly acts where people climbed, like, scaled, like, large buildings. My whole thing is that, Luke, do you know what flies are best known for? Okay. 
I completely agree. Flies can fly. They don't need to climb. No. And it's weird to... And at no point in human fly acts do these people actually take flight. They just... And you know what I think it is? What? If... Because North America doesn't have these. We grew up in Thailand, and I also grew up in other oh, gecko. Uh, Asian countries. Geckos. Or uh, in Tagalog, we would say butike. That's like the word. Of, and in Malaysia, they had like another word for them. All these countries have them. That's what they should call this act. Because it's just climbing up the side of stuff. It's the gecko act. And gecko sounds better than spider act, which I think would make way more sense. Spider act. Um, fly just implies... I mean, flies do do this. They like crawl up the wall and stuff. But... Then they fly. Yeah. And that's kind of what they're known it's for. It's in the name. You might say it's in the name. Um, Scooby and Shaggy are... Sorry, really, really quick. Do you, think, do you think people got away with that? Because they're like, no one's going to be willing to tell me to jump. Because they'll <laughs> never be able to live with themselves. Um, so what, what happens next is uh, they're in a library. And they are also looking for clues. Um, and I took a screen grab of the books in this library. Do you want to hear what these books are so badly i want to hear what these books are dude school me so um there's standard like there's snakes there's plastic surgery there's ogres there's medicine bats one is a dictionary there's charles darwin's origin of the species there's history of makeup there's vipers uh lizards plato uh the marquis de sade the book that shaggy in particular takes off the shelf is a thousand and one ghosts and ghouls a hundred and one. Oh, sorry, a hundred and one ghosts and ghouls. The book that I want to devote the most attention to is um, so after Shaggy takes out the book, the cre- the ghost of Mister Hyde, his head is right behind it. He's hiding in there. Mm. To the classic, as if in in stacks. Yeah, like like they're in the stacks. To the left of his face is a book that says Dracula Manual. <laughs> I have so many questions. What is your first question about the Dracula, Dracula manual? Because it sounds like you're, what you're really asking for is a Dracula manual manual. Is it how someone becomes a Dracula? Is it how someone cares for their Dracula? Is it how a Dracula would learn yes. to conduct themselves? As a Dracula. Also, Dracula is not a species or thing that you can be. Dracula was one guy. Oh, is it the spark notes for Bram Stoker's Dracula? A Dracula manual? Mm-hmm. I mean, some of the stuff in this bookshelf seems to pertain to the episode, like um, history of makeup, plastic surgery, like, and anything where there's, you know there's going to be a costume involved. Chemistry, I think, is, is also another book, right? Because of all Chemistry the Chemistry and, and just arcane stuff as well, yeah. It seems to tie in. It's, sometimes these freeze frames in these episodes, I'm not sure if it's a joke or not. I don't know if the animators were having fun or if they were playing it straight down the middle. You, you and that's have part to of the joy of these old ones. Yeah. It really makes you stop and scratch your head. So um, the shelf swings out. It, this is like a hidden passageway, which, again, is one of the Scooby-Doo tropes. Um, and he chases Sha- Shaggy and Scooby behind an old TV. Um, what would you call them? There's a term for them. Because they had, like, bulbs inside, like a... Anyway. I don't I don't remember the name, but it's like a box television. Yeah. It's like where it's built into furniture. And then and it's got the rotary dial and stuff. And he goes behind the TV, but he doesn't see him there. No, but oh, mind you, just because I don't want to add this to the corrections on our website, a rotary dial is what a phone has. Yeah, and this has that. You have to dial <laughs> no. the name of the state and the number. And it goes... 
And that's also exactly what one sounds like. Cha-cha-cha-cha-ching. <laughs> um, so this is a scooby dupe. I would say. This is absolutely a Scooby-Doo. There's no question to it. Because well, when the monster fails to find them around the TV, something comes on TV. So the Scooby-Doo is... Oh. Actually, I've been, I've been doing a lot. I think you should do well, it. Well, the Scooby-Doo is a scenario that Scooby and Shaggy put on uh, in which they improvise a scene that puts the monster in a, uh, on, on the back heel. And typically, they might enact a scene... Uh, in line with their situation in the episode that gives them an opportunity to both ha- put one over on the monster and escape. Um, and, and typically the monster buys in. I don't think it quite does in this case, which is why I'm a little hesitant to label that as this is Scooby-Doo, but it is. At, at the best, the monster buys in. But I think the buy-in at a minimum must be the monster being caught off guard or like stopping basically it gives them the opportunity to get away he's not chasing them while they're doing this and so that is him being fooled so to the, my thinking the ghost of mr hyde turns on the television and the first thing we see is shaggy dressed up as a clown yeah and what's he call it mr flappy's happy hour it's not that it doesn't sound much better though um and and it's kind of like an old-timey uh like like show he's for called, children oh goodness uncle happy time oh Oh, no. Mm-mm. That did not age nicely. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, and here's the thing. So that's the first thing. The monster changes the channel. The next channel is like um, a Cowboys and Indians scenario or, or a program. Yeah, and it's kind of real. Um, Shaggy addresses Scooby as running dog and says, if you don't uh, sign this treaty, we'll take back all our beads and oh, what is it? Trinkets. Trinkets. And it's so real, because it's like, yeah, actually, they did trade, like, the Native Americans and First Nations people essentially cheap garbage for, like, land. And yeah, and, uh, and the Native American people didn't, like, the contract wasn't signed with all parties knowing what was being signed at the time because of how lands were considered shared by the Native American people. Yeah. And also, um, culturally, this idea, yeah, the, the idea of, like, transactions in this way weren't, it, it wasn't a part of their, underst- of their general understanding. Yeah, I mean, and just the way that the pilgrims sometimes gave gifts and had expectations in return. I mean, the term pilgrim giver, which honestly <laughs> is what it should be. Can, can we coin that? Make pilgrim giver you know a term? Here's the thing. What I'm going to do is I'm going to make an entry on UrbanDictionary.com. Pilgrim Dude, giver. Do it. Pilgrim giver to give with hidden expectations and stipulations. I'm going to put a link on our website, ScoobyDudes.com, on the page for this episode if you could mm. go there and give us a thumbs up let's try to let's try to get make pilgrim giver a thing listeners this is your assignment for this episode if you don't stick around for the outro and do all the stuff we tell you to do then do it now go upvote this on urban dictionary i hope this definition is the one thing that outlives me oh but what i was gonna say is also they there's no note of like shaggy the cavalry captain being like running dog if you don't sign this treaty we'll take back our trinkets and our beads and our diseased blankets we gave to inflict your people like there's just so much darkness they don't tap into maybe they shouldn't have brought it up i don't know it's it's interesting to me how on the nose it is how it 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 paints in stark detail the fact that there was a transaction and on one side it was beads and trinkets yeah, and, but I think the thing that I... I think we might be reading a little bit more um, of a modern perspective into this time because saying it's a treaty could imply that they're at war and it's like, oh, we gave you these beads and trinkets to help stop the war. It could be portraying the cavalry captain as the good guy in this. 
Hmm. It lacks context enough that it's kind of prescient. They let you, they anticipated that opinions would change in the future and they phrased it vaguely enough that it would stay timely all the time. That's Scooby-Doo, people. Scooby-Doo. Timeless. So on the, and, and then the monster's like, oh, he lifts up the TV and they run out from under they run, Yeah. And they slide down a ba- uh, banister and uh, into a laundry room. They hit a... Well, here, yeah, here's the thing. Is At the bottom of the stairs, into? it's Fred, Ve- Velma, and Daphne. And Velma is saying like, this chute looks like it leads to the laundry room. And almost immediately after she says that, Shaggy and Scooby uh, slide down on this banister and basically, like, kick her in the face? Oh, hold up. I'm watching it right now. Yep, there they are sliding down, sliding down getting their bum burn. <laughs> Dude... If they had been dropped, if they had dropped kicked Velma in a Street Fighter video game, it could not have looked more visceral the way they punched her through that doggy door size <laughs> laundry chute. I have, I literally have in my notes, Scoob and Shag drop kick Velma into said chute. Yeah, that's exactly what they do. And it launches her into a laundry room. Scooby and Shaggy at least get like busted into this uh, wall flip out ironing board. And they notice that uh, some of the monster's outfits and one of the dusting, one of Helga's dusting brooms, or dusters, uh, is stuck in there. Uh, yeah, it's, it is like one of those ironing boards that fold into the wall. And, and yeah, on the inside, there's a feather duster and also muddy uh, shoes. Yes, and I have to say, those ironing boards that fold out of the wall were pr- probably one of the biggest journeys from being a kid to an adult in terms of how cool I thought it is to how terrible I think it is as an adult. Like, the... I can't believe there's one of these in my apartment. What has my life come to? Wait, do you have one? No, I don't. But we did have one in our I last apartment. I wish I apartment. had one. Really? I don't have an ironing board. Yeah, but to have to go to this one spot and this be your ironing board flip down spot and yeah. like set up well, a it chair take there. Up space. No, that's terrible. Oh, I can't. You're terrible. No, you're terrible. This is the breaking point, Evan. This is a bridge too far. I refuse to to budge on this, dude. No. I've... This is my Captain America moment. I'm going to plant my feet and say, no, you move. All right, dude. Well, this is this is my Captain America moment where I... Point I'm at your a... forehead and say, do you think this A stands for France? <laughs> no, where I'm Hydra because I'm against you. And, uh, and I won't say it. I'm not going to participate further in this podcast until you agree that wall-mounted ironing boards are bad. I think they're cool. I've stopped recording. I've unfriended you on Facebook. You never use Facebook anyway. I'm just going to continue. I've deleted one paragraph of a random website page's show notes. Okay. I'm not going to tell you which one. (laughs) Do not do that. I just deleted I need you to know that I have a uh, a Chrome window that has every single website page open at all times all right so that i can check and just copy and paste the content i just removed a hyperlink but i made the text blue and i underlined it (laughs) all right i just i replaced a youtube video with a screenshot of a youtube video (laughs) (laughs) okay that is actually very funny I need to justify the kind of inordinate time I'm wasting. This is all on you, man. You have to edit this. That's all on me. The thing that makes me feel okay about it is the fact that I'm the one who suffers. And our listeners, I guess. 
Okay, I'm gonna rapid fire. Yeah, dude. Hit get it. through a bunch of stuff. Um, they say like, oh look, this is a feather duster, just like Helga uses. Uh, so they're kind of leaning in that direction. Shaggy is um eating f- uh, apples out of a bowl of fruit. Oh, dude, I'm sorry. And Can we not? I need to hit this a little slower. One I, part here. I'm also here. gonna. Oh no, are please, you talking about You say the your thing. I'll say my thing. Go ahead. Shaggy grabs an apple. And he doesn't do what, like, Brad Pitt in Ocean's Eleven would do, which is, like, bring the apple up to his mouth, bite it, and pull the apple away. He brings the apple to his mouth and goes... <laughs> you mean they, they didn't have a spit bucket on set today, and Shaggy wasn't willing to go for it. It's almost intentionally bad how that scene plays out. Because they're, they're just, like, in the hallway, and there's this bright bowl of colorful fruit... And Shaggy and Scooby were like, oh, check out this fruit. We're going to stay out here and keep this company. And let's hang on Scooby for a moment. As Scooby's looking at this bowl of fruit, Velma or Daphne or somebody says, no, come in here. And then we cut to Scooby inside, but in the same position. And he's like, looked away from the fruit for a moment. It's as if he's been teleported inside. He then looks back to where the fruit was, and he seems confused to not (laughs) see it there. He's like, okay. He's like, um, what just like happened? In video games where you're walking from room to room, but someone's talking to you, so they need to always be with you. <laughs> he looks like he's an NPC who you left behind who is magically that's caught happened. up. Yes, that's exactly. But he's aware of it like a Westworld robot. <laughs> he's learning. Westworld. Westworld. <laughs> it's but so again- deeply ingrained in me. I am... Sometimes I'm on the AV club, and I'll see them have, have, like, they've reviewed Westworld, and I'm always just like, okay, listeners, I know we told you to go to Urban Dictionary, and we kind of had a big ask of you there, but I'm also going to ask just one one little other mini, mini, titty, mini ask. Anytime someone talks about Westworld in any capacity, I need you to whisper Westworld. Doesn't have to be loud. They don't even have to hear it, but you got to whisper Westworld. Westworld. (laughs) So... Shaggy fake eats this fruit while everyone's investigating the living room. Um, and what Scooby does, and this is not explained at all, Scooby peels a banana, throws the banana over his shoulder, and eats the peel. No. No, he doesn't. Luke, watch it. I know you have the episode up. Watch it right now. This is unbelievable. It beggars belief. It's not explained. It's not even really... I don't think it's really even portrayed as a joke. I just have to say again... Okay, the, the turn of events, Sco- Sh- Scooby's looking at the fruit. Velma says something to him. He turns his head. He's transported into the other room. He turns back to the fruit. Where's that fruit? What the f- <laughs> Where's the fruit? <laughs> it beggars belief. The way it progresses, Evan, can you please go watch that? Just promise me you'll watch that piece. I just need to know you'll see it. <laughs> You know, let me watch it right now. I, this episode's already going so long. Okay, Shaggy. Um, he brings the apple up. He's gonna. Yeah. It away. Scooby's laughing. Oh. <laughs> Dude, tell me, tell me, is it not exactly what I said it was? Oh my gosh, that's amazing. As advertised. He really. It's just like, where am I? What just happened to me? And that's the thing. It's moments like that that make the original series unrivaled. The viewing pleasure of one of these episodes is the equivalent to like the entire the entire Coen Brothers filmography in terms of how much scrutiny you can lend it. Dude, I'm dying. This is on the level of Ruggie. 
in terms of my my head cannon for this. <laughs> uh, that it's also like also I. I, the things that you consider your headcanon are the things that get the <laughs> biggest laughs out of me. You're very generous. But um, oh, and give me a second because um, I do want to follow up on that just to catch on the heels sure, of it. Yeah. The moment where Scooby peels the banana. <laughs> Scooby throws the banana away with such a deliberate, like, flair. And, like, this isn't what I need. And he slams the peel into his mouth as if he's cupping it. Like, to go, like that kind of... <laughs> Uh, at the same time, Velma and Freddy and Daphne are acting like prison wards and, or prison guards doing the rounds. <laughs> they, check Hel- they check Helga's bed and they They're find it. They're looking for contraband. Phosphorus paint. Um, so what they find is uh, they find a bottle of phosphorus yep. um, and knockout drugs. And before they can explore that, Shaggy says, you won't believe what clue I found in the fruit. And he holds something up. But before he can do anything with it, he's snagged by the ghost of Hyde. Hyde grabs him by the shoulders and, and, and drags him out of the room. Scooby, Raggy! Uh, we then uh, fast forward a little bit and see that Shaggy has been strapped to a table. And Hyde, who does not really speak much, is just laughing to himself. He's uh, pouring through a, a fairly large book. Uh, and Shaggy, I think, asks, like, what, what's in that book? And Hyde t- flips the book and shows him, points to, like, a frog... And then a potion. Shaggy's like, you're going you're gonna to make me into a frog? And it's almost like a scene with Scooby where he's trying to... The monster's trying to tell Scooby what the monster's going to do. Tell Shaggy. Uh, it's a miming scene almost. You know what I think would be really funny? Is if there was a scene where ghosts... There's like a gaggle of ghosts. And they're trying to communicate to one another. And then they, they enact what the gang is doing. Oh, dude. You know, 13 ghosts should do that with Bogle and Weird. They're a pair of comedic characters. One of them is, is mute for some reason, like catches something in the throat or like can't speak and has to mime it out. That's brilliant. That's actually really great. And it, it springboards off of the fame of the Mystery Ink gang, which we see later on. Like, I want to see Bogle or Weird or whatever put their, put their hand over their head like, like Shaggy's bangs. You know? So he's just like, look at me. I'm like a Shaggy man. And I, I want to see one of them get on all fours and kind of turn paws inwards a little bit to kind of get... Scooby's uh, four-pod strut, gangly. And I want to see one of them go down on all knees and sort of like frantically look for his non-existent glasses. Tight, tight, tight. Scooby saves Shaggy. Scooby does save Shaggy. And I like the way that Scooby does save Shaggy because when Shaggy's calling for help and it's kind of like he's about to get murdered, Scooby still doesn't show courage. He still keeps running away from the ghost of Hyde and just kind of like steals Shaggy away still on the gurney. I like that we've gone from calling it a table to a gurney because that's also what I have in my notes. Uh, I've also called a gurney. Um, this turns into a musical chase scene. And one thing I really like about old Scooby-Doo episodes is that they have these musical chase scenes. They're these really delightfully poppy little love songs. They're never songs yeah. about like running away from a ghost or like being scared or like even like going on adventures or doing things. It's just like, they're just like until I found you. They're just love songs. <laughs> That's not this one, but it's, yeah, they're just like really poppy appreciation songs. And one thing that, Kind of relating to this, I want to springboard off of to say the love between Scooby and Shaggy is so strong in this episode. Like, their friendship is really 
evinced at many moments in this. They have Did like you a catch palpable camaraderie. They do. Uh, and it, it's kind of funny because Shaggy also is annoyed at Scooby for several parts of this episode. Like when Scooby eats Shaggy's food, Shaggy's like, oh, Scooby, like I'll joke about how I'll get you back for this. But then Scooby puts his arm around Shaggy. Again, a weirdly human gesture. <laughs> and Shaggy, like, there's a moment where we see his face soften. Yeah, where, where Shaggy, like, he frowns at Scooby like, mm. well, you can't, I'm so mad at you for eating my eat ice cream. My, my pickle malt. Uh, and then and then he just, but, oh, I can't stay mad at you. I can't stay mad at you. And that is absolutely, like, I feel like that on its own is revelatory in this episode. It's, it's such a small snapshot, but it is a significant character moment. And it really speaks volumes as to their relationship. Um, uh, so it, it is a musical chase scene, which also leads into a, into an interesting corridors gag, because it's, it's only the three of them, Scooby Shaggy and the ghost of Mr. Hyde, enacting this corridors gag where they go in and out of, um, a, a series of doors in, in a hallway. And at one point it's the ghost who is strapped to the gurney and then they push him into like a closet or another doorway. And, um, anyway, that's how it ends. Yeah, and let me see. Oh, they, and Scooby puts on a sign, do not open till Xmas. The creature punches through the door, and for a second, I thought he was going to remove the sign first and then <laughs> remove and then open the door. Like, nope, I can open it now, thank you. Uh, and you know what? In this episode's credit, the humor is polished enough that that seemed like a real possibility to me. Yeah, um... I don't know how this happens, but eventually... Scooby pushes... Uh, the, the gurney with Scooby and Shaggy goes out the second fl- story Wait. window. Oh, okay. Which, honestly, is not dissimilar to a moment in the Scooby-Doo movie. And that's how they get into the swamp. Uh, they're on a, an alligator... Not a crocodile, because this is uh, America, so they're alligators. Um, they are riding on it, and then at some point, um, there are stilts. And here's the thing. They're being chased by a, an alligator... Um, Shaggy is on the stilts and Scooby is on his back and Shaggy is saying uh, I wish I had a Scooby snack Scoob pulls out a box from somewhere uh, basically Scooby and Shaggy are again running away on stilts the crocodile is catching up Shaggy oh, I could use a Scooby snack Scooby pulls it out from hammer space behind his back and the part that's really distinctive to me is when Scooby pours it into Shaggy's mouth while they're running Scooby's free paw almost seems to come around Scoob to Shaggy's mouth or neck as if to like, like when you're making your dog eat its pills, like you're, <laughs> it seems like he's force feeding Shaggy for a moment there. Um, <laughs> can you please describe um, the transformation that occurs? After these Scooby snacks are shoveled into Shaggy's mouth, Shaggy's eyes go really big and wide and spin like a slot machine. Um, numbers or, or signs, and what does it say? Charge is written in each eyeball. Charge. So that's what happens to Shaggy's face, and this is what happened to my face. <laughs> I'm not even exaggerating. I, I made a face of pure disgust when I saw this on my screen. It was so weird. His eyes become necessarily misshapen to, to contain the entire word charge as can be read by kids. I mean, I think really, why not just make it a Scooby snack in each eye? It's a really bizarre um, Popeye-esque transformation. That it, I, I mean, it's a, a complete Popeye moment. I feel like so much of this episode is them coming into their own, and if they'd cut the Scooby, if they'd cut the chase scene off before they went out the window, it would have stayed there. That that would have been the perfect cut. Um, they uh, they get back. They he they stilt back into the house so quickly that Shaggy actually busts through. He leaves a Looney Tunes-esque. 
outline hole in the side of the building. Um, I like the moment where they've crashed down and Scooby and Shaggy are in kind of in, in a pile and Scooby's still hanging from one of the broken stilts. The best part for me is right after that, when Shaggy's on the ground. And what happens is Scooby licks Shaggy's face, face and, and then, then kisses him. him. A peck, gives him a peck on the cheek. It's so cute. Love in that moment. And you know what? I gotta say, the peck on his cheek, you see like Shaggy's skin pull back a little bit with the suction of it. It's a beautiful moment. I, I, I love it, listeners. And we also find, hey, related to that suction, this clue that, Sco- that Shaggy found in the fruit bowl was a number of suction cups. So Fred, and, and I want to say, Daphne is really, um, what am I trying to say? Not waylaid, not laid by the wayside. She's kind of, she's not given a lot of the spotlight. Yeah. Yeah, she and, and Velma often battle for some of the not most action-packed lines. Because what happens is Fred says, okay, well, we know that for sure this ghost is a phony, but then Velma says, and I think this is to her credit, I think Velma does okay in this episode, she knows who the phony is. Mm. So it's Fred saying, like, this person can't be real, and Velma's kind of like, I'll do you one better. I, like, the the falsehood is it originates in this suspect. Yeah. And I, I'm eager to... I'm eager to break it down because I think this is a very interesting episode. The way it's uh, the way it's written, and we're presented with these options. They devise a plan. They're, how they're going to get one over on the ghost. So Scooby and Shaggy are singing, "For he is an ugly bad fellow," uh, which enrages the ghost of Mr. Hyde. So he chases them. I'm a handsome good fellow. He seems to say in his laughter. Um, they are st- they're behind a curtain with their heads sticking out. Um, and then they pull back in and so the ghost is like oh well i'm gonna open up this curtain and i'm gonna catch these guys such a mischievous poke out of the curtain too like one of their heads above the other one you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like kids about to present in a talent show uh and what should he see behind the curtain but another mr hyde's ghost incredible and what's most amazing to me is that it's not a mirror image it's an actual other ghost because we had this exact same moment with a mirror earlier it kind of foreshadowed wow this that simit yeah incredible right amazing it's it's so cool that you notice that it's even more phenomenal that they put that into this episode this yeah this this foreshadowing of what was to come and and that's the thing i love about these old episodes they're so rough around the edges that when something comes through like this it's like was that intentional i think it was um and the ghost uh, the ghost of hyde is terrified to see this own version of himself sprints, runs out of the room, runs away into the other room, and I think he's, he speaks it too. It's like, no, a ghost! Uh, so he opens a door, and it's another Mr. Hyde. And, and he's just, he's like freaking out. And I think what's really funny is when he, he opens a, he, like, he opens a door, and inside of it is like Mr. Hyde, but like small, like a diminutive Mr. Hyde. Well, I think he turns away from that door, and it's like he sees the first Hyde. He sees the second hide, and he sees the third hide. Boo! <laughs> it's like so clearly Velma in stature and tone. Yeah, um, and and so he runs away. He runs to the back door, which they know has the trap door. At this point, they actually unmask themselves, presumably because children might be freaking out a little bit. That this. It was kind of scary if you missed some of the action. I think it could have been, uh, but predictably, he falls through the trap door. He lands on the uh, uh, on. <laughs> On the mattress, and he's impaled. I mean, it's like, have you played Super Meat Boy? You don't need to if you've seen this episode. <laughs> you, or I you need be to the communicate guy? to our listeners that I'll, he he 
faces a fate a la Super Meat Boy. Yeah, and the, and almost as if to savor the moment, they reset that scene a couple of times and jump him in a couple of different ways. It's very, it's very Prince of Persia-esque. Ooh, nice hands mm. of time. Uh, um, Scooby and Shaggy are waiting down there to roll him up in the mattress. In, into a burrito. And then, again, they... They really pump hands. They shake hands very eagerly with each other over that rolled-up mattress. So let's talk about um, the unmasking. Let's talk about, yeah, who it might be because we're about to have them unmasked. Here's the thing. There are only two possible people that it could be. Unless we count the security guard at the beginning. And spoiler alert, it's him. It's not him. The first person we'd assume is a red herring because how could it be... I mean, we're presented Dr. Jekyll as the villain from the start. He states it within the episode, so we think there must be something more going on than what he's telling us. And, and all of these clues are pointing towards Helga. There's the, there's the feather duster, and there's the yeah, fact... And there's the fact that uh, she's got all this stuff under her bed that's exactly what you would need to frame Dr. Jekyll. Um, so it's kind of like, oh, we've, we're setting up the pieces, and we're going to put them together at the end of the episode. And we're assuming it's Helga who's framing Dr. Jekyll. It is, in fact, Dr. Jekyll who's framing Helga. For framing him. Um, and the reason, this is probably the most logical part of the episode for me, the reason that he did this whole thing is because his vitamin thing failed just last week. <laughs> when he said it succeeded, it failed miserably, of course! It would need to be this side. He woke up the next morning and he was like, I need more vitamins. <laughs> oh! <laughs> you think it wasn't that it gave him, like, explosive diarrhea or something like that? <laughs> it didn't. It didn't even give him a tummy ache. He just realized the next morning that he was uh, he was still vitamin deficient. I think it more likely like melted all of his taste buds or something like that. But basically, he reached such a such a wall in his research that he recognized that he had failed and decided that the way he was going to get rich was by stealing a ton of jewelry. His cover for it was dressing up as the ghost of Hyde. And once he felt like the police were hot on his trail, he decided to frame his maid, uh, Helga, who just happened to be a world-class acrobat who wanted to become a maid, he decided to frame her for it. Um, here's... I mean, are we going to start breaking down plot holes? The biggest cause... plot hole is, is I, like, I believe he only started to frame Helga when the gang follows him through the swamp. You think so? That's, that's what I believe is spoken in the episode. But here's the thing. They never would have followed him back through the swamp if he hadn't gotten into the back of the mystery machine. And hidden in there. You know, that's the headcanon I was giving it, because I was like, I don't know if that's a plot hole, man, is that he enticed the, the mystery gang here to catch Helga, as if he might have even recognized the van and gotten in it, or just thought, here's any old van with any old people, I'll entice them to this place, and then I'll, <laughs> as stupid as it is, the alternatives are no explanations, um, for why he did this or what his plan was. I actually was. think that yours makes a lot of sense. I think in more modern Scooby-Doo, that would be it, where the gang is actually invited to find and, um, I guess, accuse the wrong person. Mm. But from but what I'm guessing you're about to say is that they don't have notoriety at this point within the series. What I'm saying is, from my understanding from watching this episode, he literally only... Oh, no, never mind. I guess that does match up. He frames her when they follow him. He could have also framed her before them falling in, but I guess they might have said in the episode otherwise, you're saying? Yeah, but I, but I guess... That he decided to do it on the fly think when he was afraid he'd get caught. plan is pretty good, now that I'm thinking about it. Let's give, him a, let's give him a more generous headcanon and say that he enticed the Mystery Machine gang. 
here for the express purposes of framing Helga, Helga being the perfect patsy. I mean, she did a human fly act and all this stuff, but that ultimately came back to bite him because it couldn't have been Helga because she wouldn't have needed the suction cups. She would have just used her sticky fingers. Her sticky, sticky little nasty fingers. Uh, move, uh, okay. I apologize, Helga. <laughs> Uh, and then it, there's a fun little gag where Scooby is like, look at me, I have, I'm spider dog. I can do anything a spider dog Honestly, can do. this gag ended in a place that was not comfortable for me. With Scooby suction cupping his way to the ceiling, and he's got one on each paw, but also one on his tail that I'm like, no, please don't. Don't use that. Don't use it. And Scooby's, yep, his four paws are on the ceiling, but those suction cups start to come off, and Daphne's like, no, look out, Scooby. His com- feet completely fall off, and after Scooby leaves the screen, like, passes the bottom of the screen, where if he were Mario, he would have died, his tail shoots up and sucks to the ceiling, and then Scooby springs to follow, but then at that moment, his tail is kind of lax. It doesn't have the musculature we need to. Scooby hangs like a bare light bulb from his tail on this suction cup in an uncomfortable way. It's not It's not a fun, like, Tigger-esque kind of, like, there's no, like... No, he doesn't Springy, have that kind it. of quality to his tail. It looks like a Great Dane is being held by its tail. Um, I also like I like that there is a cop, I think a deputy or a sheriff, and who has ultimately comes and appears at the end. The ghost to himself. Handcuffed himself to himself. <laughs> and it's kind of funny, them, him just standing there as if he's one of the villains. <laughs> oh, man. And I think that's pretty much it. There's, I mean, plenty of plot holes. At one point... When Scooby and Shaggy come downstairs and they're like, oh, we just ran into Mr. Hyde. Velma's like, um, wait, but no, we just saw Mr. Jekyll. It couldn't have been him, but it clearly was in the end. Oh, dang, you're right. So, like, a lot of the little things they did to keep us wondering along the way weren't actually ultimately explained. I think that they needed, I think to justify that, it would have been very easy, which is to say that, like, secret this passage. house has a number of secret passages, which we already know because that hmm. there was that room behind the bookshelf in the library. Although that bookshelf just led to, like, actually, we don't know where that led to. Never mind. The monster came out of it. You know what? Again, I mean, this is a house where uh, if you open a door, it will reveal a progressively smaller series of doors. <laughs> and t- <laughs> you know? So many of my things were hit in this show. I-, I really love it. This is not an episode that holds your hand. You have to figure out for yourself. You have to figure out for yourself why the uh, the monster got into the mystery machine and exactly how he got around so quickly. I had a blast all the way through. Something that we can't really describe fully, I don't think, is the music. And the music in this series is so distinct, I really want to return to form with that. And it's so expressive. Every time um, it opens up with the bats, all I can think of is that scree, caption scree, that you did. Scree, 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 scree. <laughs> Me too. I, I just love this series so much, and I love that we're meeting it out, that we get, to del- we get to dive into it piece by piece. Really savor it. I will say that it's very telling in this particular episode um, that just like many cartoons of its time and some cartoons today, they recycled mm. a lot of animation. I think He-Man is the number one sort of um, uh, perpetrator of, of this. Um, but one thing that I found, and, and a lot of it is Daphne's face. Oh, heck yeah, man. And they'll like cut to Daphne just looking on as other people talk so they don't have to even animate mouths moving. <laughs> Okay, I made a note of that, and I forgot. I neglected long. to say it. it's I, hilarious. Same here. Where it's right Fred's at the end. Like, 
takes a breath and he's like, <gasps> and then they cut to somebody else and then Fred's talking, yeah. Like, Fred is still, yeah, Fred is, it's actually like mid midway where Fred is explaining and then we cut to Daphne and she's standing there with her mouth ajar, glassy-eyed, and then as soon as Fred is done talking, she then knows like, oh, that's my line. And you know what? Time for me to speak, yeah. I think a re- do you remember last episode where I was like, do you ever think of (laughs) Scooby-Doo as like being filmed live action and then you said no? (laughs) By the way, I don't. By the way, actually, I kind of do a lot of the time. I mean, Shaggy's bad act eating, the moments where they like make eye contact uncomfortably with the camera, and this right here. In this case, to me, it's just the the woman who plays Daphne, just like she has her line in her head, and she's like, "That's my cue. When Fred is done talking, that's my turn to talk." And so she's just blank. She's she's not doing anything. And if you turn up the audio all the way and you do some like noise removal with Fred, you can hear her saying, "She sells, she sells by the seashore. <laughs> she sells, she sells by the seashore." Um, peas and carrots, peas and carrots, peas and carrots, peas and carrots, peas and carrots. <laughs> Show business. Showbiz. Thank you, Five. Check, please. Check, please. <laughs> so, n- <laughs> Shelby the Worm from Adventure Time. Doesn't make a ton of sense as a detour from showbiz, but kind of makes sense as a detour from anything. Check, please. I, I love this episode. I thought it was a great watch all the way through. I love the little animation gaffes. Like, they're walking past this wall that just kind of drifts independent of the rest of the frame. Uh, so weirdly. As if, like, you can tell that they've just got many semi-transparent sheets layered. Like, what happened to that cell or sheet uh, or whatever? I think it just, like, wavered a little bit as they were taking pictures. Like, there was just this little bit of movement. I also noticed that, and it's, like, very it's jarring. It's kind of something I love, I have to admit. I love that about this series. Um, and that's really, that's the episode, guys. Hey, Luke, I have a question for you. What is your favorite song by Vitamin C? Um, I don't know. The reason is, I, every time I listen to Vitamin C, I listen to, like, two albums back to back. And then, and then I just pee it all out. <laughs> it just all comes out when I pee. <laughs> So I don't remember any of it. You know the grossest part? Please bleep this. Please bleep this. The grossest part <sighs> oh, is that I'm imagining um, a close-up on your... <laughs> it's like, as we go on, <laughs> we re- <laughs> All right, you know what? As long as we're cutting stuff, I do puppets. Not with my belly button with Empty Sam, but with the... <laughs> And so, you know what I call it when I sing with it? Franklin. <laughs> Ooh, now I don't want to cut it. No, I want to keep it in. <laughs> oh, my. We'll see what makes it in. This might be like that word that we said in the premise. It's a joke between you and me, and only the laughter will make it to the listeners. <laughs> okay, um... Welcome to the outro. We're just going to run through because we're long on time. What an episode that was. You feel so much gratitude, listeners. You want to follow up in every way that you can, every way that we instruct you to. You want to go to Facebook.com slash Scooby Dudes and like and follow our page. You want to go to Twitter.com and follow the Scooby Dudes on Twitter. Like and follow. Uh, you want to maybe go to our website. That's ScoobyDudes.com. Go to, honestly, any page. I have filled it chock full of content. If you go to specifically the page for this episode you will see show notes where we kind of 
uh, talk, we we elaborate on references, and also there are screenshots that we caption. They're very funny. The, the show really comes to life when you go to the website. I'll only take a moment to expand here and say that if uh, you want to remember each indiv- episode individually, we have original title card art we've commissioned and paid for every episode. If you felt like you were on the outside of a joke Evan and I were making, we outlined the references in the show notes, and you can be on the inside of these great jokes that we're telling. Um, and just the, ca- the corrections, the... <laughs> Captions we do. I love all of it on the website. It's great. Go visit. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And you can see the mouth, too. You can see it. (laughs) Shoot us an email at uh, scoobydudespodcast at gmail.com if you want to give us some feedback. We're always listening. And if you really like what we're doing... You can go to patreon.com slash scoobydudes. You can give us a little bit of money on a monthly basis, uh, and you'll get just content. Content. Whatever we can give you, we're giving it to you um, to show you our appreciation. But really, go to Patreon just to support this podcast and make it possible for us to keep doing it another day. And, you know, while you're at it and you're giving us stuff we want, give us a five-star iTunes review. And in return for that, we'll read it live on air in the podcast. Uh, we, we do it all the time. Also, with Patreon, if you donate to us, we'll give you a big shout-out on the podcast, and we'll do it every week after. We don't just do it the first time. We do it every Imagine time. Imagine a podcast where every single week that you listen to it, you're able to hear your name. Yeah, well, you don't need to imagine. You're listening to it right now. Assuming you donate to us on Patreon, you, you'll notice that the, conspicu- the conspicuous absence... I was afraid I had a slur in there somewhere, and I don't know. <laughs> Conspicuous. Actually, consp- conspicuous is the sl- has the slur. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm cleaning it up. I don't like saying conspicuous because it sounds like it makes it sound like you know what's weird to me is that we'll shout you out every single week. Don't believe me? Listen to the names of our beloved patrons right now. Yeah. That was the episode, everyone. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for sticking around for the outro. I loved that episode, and I love you, Evan. And I love Franklin. Thank you.